Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Is Joey. I'm the lead pastor. And today we continue our series, More Life, where we are studying the book of Acts. And it's been a great several weeks as we've gotten into the, the study of Acts this summer. Last week, we had halftime uh, where we took a break from physical locations. Hope you got some rest. We do this to kind of reset because really right now starts the second half of the year. And I'm just believing God to do a great work in your life and in our church the second half of the year. And uh, we've had a great, great first half, maybe the best first half in the history of our church. And uh, I just want to give God praise for that. Just statistically, um, just God's done a lot of great stuff in the first half of the year, even June, best June we've ever had. And so thank you to all of those who serve and give and participate and invite uh, God's at work and the best is in front of us. The best is in front of us. Amen. That's it right there. Uh, you know, just think about what's coming, right? Fall, Christmas, all that good stuff. And, uh, but what we do right now in the summer, uh, it prepares us for all that good stuff. So um, just believe it. It's going to be a great, great rest of the year. I want to say to our Port Richmond uh, and Espanol locations uh, who, are, who are with us, they, uh, the bottom level where the kids meet, that floor flooded four times over the last week. And so they said, buy a building. It'll be great. <laughs> so we did. We renovated it. And a year later. But uh, you know what? Every Every blessing uh, has burdens connected to it and you got to steward the blessing. And, you know, we got a lot of work to do down there. It's actually a disaster, but God's going to turn it around for our good. And there's something in it for us. And so, but anyway, I know they got to manage some unique church uh, set up with kids and all that stuff over the next few weeks, but uh, I know you guys will handle it well. All right. So pray for them and for me. Um, so yeah, um, I, I, I really, I want to preach a message today that I've never really preached this subject specifically for a whole message before. I think it's really going to speak to your heart, but the best way I could illustrate it is when I, uh, graduated high school, um, I, I spent most of my youth in Orlando, Florida. We became Christians at this great church and big church. And so I started interning and working at my church and learning. And I went to community college. Come on, somebody. Uh, ain't no shame in the community college game, baby. Save that money or learn it on YouTube. You know what I mean? And so I don't even think we had YouTube back in my day, you know. Uh, and uh, But anyway, so... Um, so it was just, uh, it, it, was, it was a good ex learning experience. It was great time growing. And, and so, but my buddy and I, we would work at the church and it was super cheap back then. I don't know if you've been to Universal's Island of Adventures. 
uh, and uh, someone's really excited. Well, this message is not brought to you by Islands of Adventure, but uh, I wish it were. But we used to have, we had annual passes. And, and so we would go every Friday after lunch, we'd sneak out of the office and we'd go down there. And my buddy and I, we uh, knew the park back and forth, front and back. And so we knew how to skip every line. We knew the secret doors. You know, we weren't about to pay f- for a fast pass, okay? Like we just skipped the lines. We could do the park in 90 minutes. And, uh, and so it was like, you know, we felt like we were just kings. We would go there, you know, we'd do that. And then we'd have like a funnel cake and that would be the day. But I was telling one of my superiors, uh, a person who was discipling me uh, about um, our strategy. And, and all of a sudden she was like, uh, you know, there's a reason why you've got two or three girlfriends at one time. That just told me you got an integrity problem. And uh, how do you think that skipping lines honors God? And she said, you're cheating. And she said, Joey, if you don't, and I know you think these things are small, but if you don't get this under control, it will limit your potential, your future, and where God wants to take you. She said something to me that I'm sure has been repeated many a times, but she said, uh, if, if your charisma uh, is greater than your character, wherever your charisma will take you, uh, you will fall just as quickly. She said, Joey, you're, you're, uh, developing your character is so much more important than developing your ability to preach wild crowds or build an organization. Because you can do all that, but if you don't have the character to back it up, you won't sustain it. And she said, you have an integrity problem. And over the next several years, she kicked my butt. People like that really got in my face. I'm grateful that uh, I didn't grow up in a culture or an environment when somebody kept you accountable. You got offended and left. I'm I'm glad I stayed. And I'm glad God did a deep work in me to remove the immaturity and to put character within me. And so today I hope to do the same thing for you. I want to preach a message titled, Do You Have Integrity? Not a lot of oohs and ahs and amen. (laughs) Do you have integrity? And I think this message could change your life forever. Because who you really are will rise to the surface when it matters most. What you do in secret will be revealed. And this will take your adventure to new heights or it will cut the journey short. It's a decision you got to make. Nobody can make a decision of integrity for you. You got to make it yourself and the Holy Spirit will back you up and strengthen you to be who God's called you to be. And there's a story in the scriptures that I believe really illuminates what integrity actually is. Uh, It's an interesting story. I don't want to skip over it. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 5. Um, And this is the very early church, the beginning stages of the church. Acts chapter five, verse one. Bible says, but there was a certain man named Ananias. By the way, this is not Ananias who we will meet in Acts chapter nine. So Ananias, who with his wife Sapphira sold some property. 
he, bought, he brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it, it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. All right, so little context here. Early in the church, you were bringing your resources to the apostles, to the church's leaders. They were distributing it, making sure people were taken care of. But what's happened here is in Acts chapter four, Ananias and Sapphira, they witness Barnabas delivering. He, he, he sells a field and he delivers it to the apostles. And in a sense, they thank him and he gets some celebration. Barnabas' heart was in the right place. But what happened is, is Ananias and Sapphira, they do the same thing because they want the same praise that Barnabas got. Now, I wanna, I wanna be clear about something. It is good for you to be influenced by others. Okay, someone influences you to do the right thing or helps you get closer to Jesus or to try something out of your comfort zone. All of that is great. Okay, so if somebody, you hear a story about giving or you hear a story about somebody serving or whatever it is, and that compels you, that's awesome. But doing something just to get the same kind of respect or praise or blessing that somebody else got, that's a red flag. Are you following me so far? They, they basically, what they did is they sold the possession and they only gave a portion to the church while implying that they sacrificially gave it all to the church. Okay, so stay with me. I need to teach you here for a second. There's a Greek word for kept back or kept the rest here, okay? You see this word a couple times. It means to misappropriate. The same word is used for Achan's theft in the Old Testament, Joshua 7, 21. And the only other time this word or this phrase is used in the New Testament, it means to steal in Titus 2, 10. So let's clarify Ananias and Sapphira's sin, okay? But before I do that, okay, I wanna I want something, clarify something with you first, okay? Is not being generous with your resources if you have a job or if you have income, is it wrong? Is it sinful? I believe the Bible clearly lays that out, that if you receive income, then you have a responsibility to give back through your local church first. Some would call that returning tithing, Malachi 3.10. Others would see it in a New Testament lens, 2 Corinthians 9 determine in your heart what God's asked you to give and then you give it, right? These are, these are biblical principles that will serve you well and for the Christian, a biblical responsibility, okay? But I, I wanna clarify that their sin in this story was not really about giving, okay? It wasn't actually about giving. In verse three, then Peter said to Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. Verse four, this is important. The property was yours to sell or not to sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do such a thing like this? You weren't lying to God, excuse me, you weren't lying to us, but to God. So again, stay with me, Peter is clear. The land and the money was theirs to do what they wanted. We didn't, Peter going, we didn't make you cross this line. 
your, 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 your lack of generosity was not necessarily the line that's crossed. It was your lack of integrity. This sin was unnecessary, but it was probably rooted in insecurity. A lot of sin in our life is so unnecessary, but we produce the sin because we have deep roots of insecurity. Integrity, friends, when you have it, when you are the same person behind closed doors, when you tell the truth about yourself and who you are, integrity will save you a ton of heartache. So what was their sin? Let's clarify it, okay? I see kind of three things happening here. The first one is, is they lied to the Holy Spirit and technically Peter. I don't want you to lie to me. You shouldn't lie to your church leaders, your pastors. But more than that, please don't lie to the Holy Spirit. Secondly, they wanted credit, praise, and respect that others were getting. Do you know what that is? It's pride. And friends, pride is, is it's, the, it's the root. It is, it, is the, it is the undercurrent of all sin. It, it, is, it is what destroys great ministries, great marriages, great friendships, great nations, pride. Thirdly, they steal from the community. They both wanted the image of great generosity without actually being remarkably generous. That hurts you and it hurts the work of the church. By the way, I believe their sin is imitated today by allowing the impression that let's say we are people of the Bible and people of prayer, but when we're actually not those things. It's imitated today when we create or allow the impression that we have it all together when we really do not. It's imitated when we exaggerate our spiritual accomplishments or effectiveness to appear something that we aren't. And guess what? Preachers and pastors do that all the time. But you know what? Church folks, Christians do as well. We, we can't, friends, we can make a commitment to something but never fulfill it or never own it when we can't fulfill it. We can lie to ourselves about our relationships, our marriages, and say that they are better than they are. We can pretend that we are living a certain way financially, sexually, you name it, when we aren't. And what we're doing, when we aren't honest with ourselves, we are lying to the Holy Spirit and we are denying truth. And in this story, you see two people who are deeply insecure, who want the praise of man, and they lack integrity. See, it's way too easy for us to be happy with the image of spirituality without the reality of a spiritual life. That's where you say amen. Maybe you were thinking about it. <clears throat> Listen, you should write this down. It is too easy for us to be happy with the image of spirituality without the reality of a spiritual life. Because a, a lot of people, and, and, and maybe you've grown out of this or, or maybe you've exceeded this area in your life, but a lot of people will say, well, I go to church occasionally, I'm spiritual. 
I'm on a serving list somewhere. I'm spiritual. I drop a few dollars in the bucket once in a while. I, I'm spiritual. But like what we do a lot of times is, is we have a, a, a little bit of spirituality dusted on us, but we deny its power in our own life. And so we have this image that we're Christian folk and church folk, but there's really nothing different about our life that we live. And so we've not won any people to Jesus. We've not seen any transformation in our family or in the neighborhood we live in. And we're ineffective as believers. And I just wonder if it starts deep in our soul because we have an integrity problem because we're giving the image of a spiritual person without actually living a spiritual life. I want you to pay attention to this because this, my friends, it is the way of the world and it is the way of our culture. And I don't wanna like bash social media because it's a great tool, we use it, but it's very easy to manipulate and it's very easy to propagate these sorts of tendencies where you take 37 photos, right? Until you get the right one. I'm not mad at you for it. It's just not honest. I'd do it too. Not really. Well, maybe. Once in a while, less than you for sure. It's like, it's like, it's like our, our, our celebrities, you know, it's like, we only see these people's best side, their, their highlights. Occasionally we get a, a bad video of somebody or a leaked text message. And, and it's like, oh, they're human. They're, they're ugly too. You know, it's like, you know, it's, it's just like, it's like, we, we just live in a world and a culture like this is the devil's strategy so often to, to masquerade as an angel of light, for us to put masks on and act like we're something that we're not. Now, I just wanna be, be clear because I, I want you to be honest and I want you to be authentic, but I don't want you to be miserable. Because sometimes in the name of honesty and authenticity, someone will be like, how you doing? And you get your stance and you go, oh, life sucks so bad. I hate people so much. God hates me. Sometimes I do it. I, I can be chief grump sometimes. You know, this, this flood thing that happened, I, a couple of days, I was feeling sorry for myself. And uh, you can feel sorry for me too. <laughs> but like when I was worshiping, I was like, all of a sudden, like, I don't know how this happens, but I was singing like, Jehovah Nisi fights my battles. You know, and I'm like, well, I'm a liar. Because do I believe this? You know, and then, and then like the more I was singing it, I was like, you know, Jehovah Shalom, he's my peace. And then like, it's just like the drums are starting to hit. And all of a sudden I'm like, I have to believe this. And the longer it went, I just like the Holy Spirit started to just work on my heart and go, you know what? I'm going to work this out for your good and my glory. Cause that's what I do. There's something in this. There's something in this. And, 
what I got to work on and what, what we all got to work on is when something isn't good in our life, when somebody asks us, we don't have to spread our, our misery, okay? But we can go, you know what? Thank you for asking. Um, I'm struggling right now, right? Uh, but, but would you believe God with me? Because he fights my battles, right? He's my peace. He's my healer. And this is what's going on. I'm going to be honest with you, but I'm going to put a smile on my face. And even if tears are streaming down my cheek, and I'm going to believe God that the best is ahead. I, I know the word says that when two or more are gathered in his name, he's in our midst. I know that if we pray together, the spirit will come. And even though I'm discouraged now, I'll leave encouraged. You know, like, like we have to have a faith-filled approach. You can be honest without being grumpy. Integrity matters. You know, what's, what's interesting about this story, what I really like is God gives Peter a supernatural knowledge of what Ananias did. The spiritual gift, you see this in 1 Corinthians 12, 8, it's called a word of knowledge. Um, Peter sees that Satan is at work and he says to Ananias, hey, you lied to the Holy Spirit, not us. A note here about the Holy Spirit, by the way, is for every believer is the Holy Spirit is a person. And when we lie or ignore the Spirit about when we lie about who we are, when, when we ignore the promptings of the Spirit, we are denying truth. This is why our world is so jacked up. It is because it's because what happens is, is, is the Holy Spirit, he reveals Jesus to us. The Holy Spirit illuminates scriptures to us. And God already wrote down the way the world is supposed to work. God already provided for us the way that humans are meant to interact and how humans are meant to flourish. When you read the scriptures and when you apply the scriptures, it is the best chance for human flourishing. Not everything will be perfect, but it provides great context for human flourishing. Yes, in this life, you will have trouble. Take heart, I've overcome the world. But I still provide you opportunity to live in blessing, in freedom, in hope, in peace. And when we deny the Holy Spirit and when we start making stuff up as to how things are supposed to go and how things are supposed to fit, and we make these things based on our feelings and based on our insecurities and based on our celebrities and based on our politicians and based on all these different factors that are not based on what the Spirit reveals. That's when we are lying to the Holy Spirit and we lose our integrity and our power because we're not saying, okay, Holy Spirit, I know this goes against how I feel like this should go. I know this is a little bit against the way, a lot against the way culture is flowing. I know you're prompting me to take steps of faith that I feel a little bit uncomfortable taking. But if I trust you, I can be honest about who I am and who you are. I can carry my integrity, which will give me power, which blessing will follow and strength will fill me. And when we ignore the Holy Spirit, and when he leads us to his word, what we're doing is we're, we're lying with the enemy. Do you hear me? When we make crap up because we feel like it, 
We're participating with the enemy's lies. Jesus says in Luke 8, 17, he says, for all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. You can only hide. You can only lie. You can only play for so long. How do I know that? Well, in verse five, as soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Oh, you ought to think it was going to go there. It's like, well, this is not a summer message. I did my nice summer message a couple weeks ago, ordinary to extraordinary. If you just really need a lot of butterflies and hugs, that one's for you. He dies. Uh, and, and everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, took him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. So let me just stop there for a second. Okay, um, no text messages back then, no social media. If I'm Peter, by the way, okay, just, just narrating and thinking through this as I read this. If I'm Peter, somebody drops dead, I'm definitely taking a photo. I'm sending it to my close friends and I'm going, am I going to jail for this? You know, like, like, like this is like a moment, but there's no way for them to communicate. Like there's no courier to like, like, hey, you know, it's three hours later, she walks in and Peter asks her, verse eight, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. At least they buried her beside her husband. I'm sorry, dark. So, real, real giggly here today. So this is crazy because it feels a little harsh, right? Um, but can I tell you something? And I want you to look at me, every location, every person. If you lie to the Holy Spirit, you lack integrity, you're gonna die too. And you may not die a physical death, but your potential will die. Your dreams will die. Your hopes will die. Your purpose will die who you are called to be, where God wants to catapult you to, it dies when you lie. You know, I know this because Paul writes in Romans, for the wages of sin is death. And I, I, I don't think we understand how much is at stake when we think that we can just get away with secret sin or play God. Or we don't think that God doesn't love his church and his bride so much. Think about all the ministries and the pastors and, and, and the high profile people that all of a sudden in a moment, their ministries collapsed and they weren't on the scene anymore. 
They lost their integrity. They lost their ministry. It's going to find you. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to encourage you. Be who God has called you to be. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Be honest. Get help. You know, I think Peter might have been more surprised than anyone else when Ananias fell down. And I know this was harsh, but you have to see this in the context of its moment. Like the church had just begun. So God had to seriously protect this baby because the church was a baby. He had to protect the integrity and the purity of this brand new baby, this church. And, and what's crazy about this, and, and I, I think I see this all the time, there's, there's been attacks on the church for generations, forever. There's attacks on the church, and you'll see this as we continue through Acts right? In Acts 8 and many other places, right? There was attacks on the church during the pandemic. There's attacks constantly through generations, always. But at the end of the day, a lot of times the persecution and the trouble that the church finds itself facing by outside forces, somehow the church always seems to survive and thrive. I mean, maybe Jesus wasn't lying when he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. But, but I, I want to read this because the, I read this from a theologian that the church has never been harmed or hindered by opposition from without. It has been perpetually harmed and hindered by perils from within. When people think that their place in the church doesn't matter, when people think that their serving doesn't matter, when people think that their giving or lack thereof doesn't matter, when people think that their attendance doesn't matter, when they think that their discipleship doesn't matter, when, when, when we take for granted the grace of God and the breath we have, when we don't think that that matters as much as it does, when we take integrity and honesty for granted, that's when the church has problems. Not because the church doesn't have the right facility or it doesn't, isn't in, a, in the Bible belt or any of those things. It's when the people of God don't take seriously the mission of God. And when it comes to Ananias and Sapphira dropping dead and dying, like to be honest with you, we all deserve that. We do. But for some reason in God's infinite grace and mercy, you are hearing my voice. You, you are alive today. Your heart is beating. You've got breath coming out of your lungs and out of your nose and out of your mouth. Your, 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 your body is working. There is a specific purpose and reason that no matter what you did yesterday or on your way here or what kind of sin you were in or weren't in, whatever it is, like you are here right now and all that really matters is what you do with today and what you do with tomorrow. So all the stuff that's happened how you live, repent, forget it, get forgiven. Sometimes there's consequences from that stuff that leaks into your life currently, but all you can do is live for today and right now. And what you gotta do is say, God, I'm breathing, thank you. God, my heart is pumping, thank you. God, I've got, I got eyes to see, I've got hands to clap, I've got feet to move. Like, how do you wanna use me, God? 
Help me be honest with myself. And like, how do you know you're growing in your relationship with God? How do you know? I really love to play golf. I've been playing for a while now. And, and um, the people I play with, they, they don't believe that I'm getting better, but I am. They're jerks. So if I'm ever on the course, you see a picture on Instagram or something, and I'm with one of those people, understand that I'm discipling these people out of jerkhood, okay? But anyway, I love it because I really I'm competing against myself. When you're out there, it takes all the focus, like 100% of the focus to hit a shot correctly. I can't think about work. I can't think about money. I can't think about trouble. Like all I can think about is if I wanna hit the shot right, I need 100% of the focus. But what's crazy about golf is it is very much a revealer of where your soul is at. How do I know this? Because you hit a wrong shot and something comes out your mouth. Might be telling you what's going on inside your soul. But even crazier than that, forget that, okay? That, that one doesn't count as much. The crazier thing about golf is like, if I'm playing with somebody and they're on the other side of the course and I'm over here, like if I want, I can move the ball wherever I want. They won't know. If it's in the bunker, I wanna take it out of the bunker, they won't know, I'll just move it. I can say, if I have a bad hit and they don't see it, I can just say, oh, I only hit it once instead of twice. Like what I really love about the game is that you really are competing against yourself and it's all about the kind of integrity you have. I love that. It forces you to either be honest or be a liar. And for many Christians who live in compromise, their greatest fear is not actually in sinning itself. It's being found out like Ananias and Sapphira. And how you know you are growing in God is that you don't need man's praise. You don't need man's acknowledgement. When nobody's looking, you're still worshiping. When nobody's counting, you're still praising, you're still living righteous, you're still living, like you wanna know how you're growing in Jesus, how you know you love him? Like it doesn't matter. If somebody claps for me, great. If they don't, great. Like I'm doing this for him. I'm the same person when the doors are closed and when the doors are open. God help us all. I gotta close this message, but I wanna read verse 11 because the Bible says great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. You know what's crazy is this is the first use of the word church in the book of Acts. God was so serious about protecting the integrity of the church against outside attacks, but also against attacks itself that he went to these drastic measures and there's bad fear and there's good fear. There's the fear of God. There's the fear of man and circumstances. What you see here is that great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what happened. What you feel there is the fear of God. And early on in my life, early on in my life, when people started discipling me, they taught me about the fear of God. The fear of God is not that my love of God isn't there and that God doesn't love me. It's just that I actually honor him for who he says he is. If I understand 
that his word is true. And if I wanna live and walk in his blessing, well, I better stay aligned to his purpose and his calling. The fear of God is, is God's God and I'm not. And I have to stop trying to be God. And I have to be honest with you, church, as I close this message, I gotta tell you um, that I'm thankful for that time in my life where people discipled me and corrected me because it's now serving me well as a lead pastor of your church, of our church. You know, we started a, a campaign last fall. It's a two-year campaign. It's called Here to Stay. A lot of new people started coming to our church since January. Many people don't even know what Here to Stay is. It's a two-year campaign where we're raising additional funds so that we can purchase or get into some strategic facilities around our city to secure our future. During the pandemic, we were forced to move over six times we had a real challenge during that season. And so we know God has called us to lock in some strategic facilities. We're working right now on a long-term situation in the Northwest. We have purchased in Port Richmond, but now we're also working on our broadcast facility. And early on in our campaign, I shared with you that we were in contract with a building in the Northeast, which would be our broadcast building that would serve the whole church. We would have the largest facility broadcasting to the rest of our body and our global audience. And so when we locked that in early on in the campaign, I was thrilled. And so I began to start working six, seven months, day and night on all the due diligence of how this was gonna work, how much money we needed to raise, what kind of things about the facility were wrong? And there, there were so many challenges and every month there was a new challenge that was not anticipated. And I'm working with architects and engineers. And, but I could, honestly, at this point, I could probably be a lawyer, an architect, an engineer. Like I learned so much. And as we got to the end of our due diligence, I was really, really struggling, really, really wrestling because I'm like, God, you called me to lead these people into this proverbial promised land where we've got our own facility, where we can grow and make decisions at our own rate and reach people. And like, we're so close, God. And, and there, were, there were many challenges in this building. And one of the things we kept finding out that there could have been some environmental issues and, and, and to, to build what we needed to build, it was going to be a substantial suffocating amount of money that I just felt like with all integrity, we could not proceed. I felt like if God forbid I got hit by a bus, I think I would survive. But if I didn't, the next person coming in would have had to deal with something that would be unfair to them. I just kept thinking about you and I, like the speed at which we would have to raise these funds was, was so fast. We were not gonna get what I imagined that we would have gotten and the Lord gave me this illustration of Leah and Rachel. Jacob worked for years for Rachel, whom he loved, but instead he got Leah and forgive me, she was the ugly sister. And for me, that illustration worked. I'm like, no, I worked too hard for the ugly sister, okay? And then one of our elders sent me a message. He sent me a words of Jesus that said, suppose a man wants to build a tower 
and he lays the foundation, but he doesn't have enough funds to finish the project. He would be laughed at. And I just felt like in that moment, all the hard work, I was so defeated and so deflated, but I had to be honest with myself and with you to say as much as I wanted this, the right thing for us at this moment was to walk away from this project. And so I had to call the owner and I had to say, listen, if you don't lower the price and handle the environmental issues, we're walking. And so at this point, that's what we've done. We've walked away. The ball's in his court. And so onward and upward, we continue to look for what God has for us, which I believe will be best and better so that we continue to reach people, revive every block. And so... But I think, honestly, if I hadn't gone through a process of character development, I probably would have lied to myself and tried to force something to happen so that we could just get it done, so that we could just get what we wanted and what we needed, more importantly. And, 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 but I think I would have suffocated us and I think might have even collapsed us. So what integrity teaches us is even though my friends and other ministries got what they need, God's timing is more important than satisfying my flesh. And so many of us lack integrity because we're trying to satisfy our flesh instead of satisfying God. And so I've got to trust him and I need you to trust me. We've got to keep raising funds. We've got to keep reaching people. We've got to keep inviting and we'll find what we need in God's time. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.